0: Good morning. good morning. I want to thank Father Mainwaring for this invitation to be in worship with you this morning, as well as to have our time of discussion in between the worship services. And it's good to be back at All Saints. Um, I've discovered that a number of students I've taught over the years have made their way here in service uh, to you, as well as being. Profoundly formed by you. Let us pray. We declare now, as we have declared so many times before, we want you to teach us, God. We want our lives to be aligned with what you want for us. Help us, we pray, to listen and believe and follow, even when we are not sure of ourselves. Help us, we pray, to listen, and believe, and follow, because we can be certain of your guidance. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Do you believe what you have just heard from the reading of this gospel? Do you? Do do I? Jesus is with his disciples as well as a crowd. And there on the plain, he teaches and says to the disciples, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your skirt. Give to everyone who bakes from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, Do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. What do you imagine the disciples thought and felt upon hearing this? What do we think and feel upon hearing this? In the Gospel of Luke, they really haven't been with Jesus that long. Here we are in this morning's Gospel lesson in chapter 6, but Jesus has just named the disciples really in chapter 6. He has his first engagements with the disciples in chapter 5, but this is a rather new time for all of them, and this is the message they get. They have lived longer with their enemies than they have lived with Jesus. Enemies that can destroy everything that they hold dear and destroy it without regret. And they know that enemies pursue and demand and torture and kill. And even in their sacred scriptures, They've heard many a verse of God's action in destruction of their enemies. So they have some backing to be confused, as well as perhaps to be a bit oppositional. I don't imagine them as just being inspired by what they just heard. I suspect they are very confused and perhaps even a bit dismissive. This is something we'll talk about with Jesus later on. Surely he doesn't mean those we know as enemies who merit our fear and our rage and our wrath. Those we know who deceive and exploit and oppress just because they can. They have the power to do this to us. And we, who have lived our lifetimes with this teaching, those of us in this sanctuary, what is our response to this teaching? Do we believe it? I'm not asking if we believe that Jesus believes it. Do we believe it? Do, do we have this not just as an aspirational idea, but are our lives being lived as an example of this teaching? Hate is a natural reaction to enemies. The fear and suspicion and alienation occurs from experiences of being tormented. And hate can be a reaction that protects us from oncoming abuse and death from enemies. Still, Jesus identifies hate as a distraction, as a disruption from the transformative mission of disciples to enact God's dream for creation. For us, hate is a poison that not only causes our enemies to suffer and to be destroyed, it's a poison that causes each one of us to suffer and to become someone who breaks God's heart. It's a poison that not only seeps into one's heart, it's a poison that seeps into the hearts of generations, both those present and those to come. Jesus' teaching to love your enemies is fundamental to teaching for his disciples. This, in the academic setting, this is not an elective. It's required. It's not to be ignored or to be considered inconsequential. Neither is it just an aspirational command for some future distant time when... We've corrected our enemies so that we can love them. Could Jesus teach such a radical behavior because he really did not understand what it meant to have enemies? Well, the scriptures tell us that as he's beginning his ministry and and he goes to the temple and And he teaches, and just from his teaching, there's a response where the text says, here in the Gospel of Luke, they got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. What a, um, what a response to your first sermon. And the religious leaders accused him of violating sacred commandments and disrupting the faith of the people. And to live as a Jew in this country that is occupied by Roman conquerors Who could accuse and punish on a whim, and who kept the peace with beatings, imprisonment, and crucifixions. Do you really think Jesus did not understand what it meant to have enemies? How do you choose to relate to your enemies? (laughs) You have them. We all do. Some of your enemies you know, some you don't. Some people really consider you their enemy, and they don't even know you. You look like an enemy. And even on an interpersonal basis, there are some people who will decide that they can't stand you just because you look like somebody else they don't stand. We all have enemies. And if you come to the conclusion that you don't have enemies, all I have to suggest is maybe you don't know enough people. This teaching is about us. This teaching is for us. And here, the Sunday where we acknowledge the witness of Martin Luther King Jr. as a disciple, the belief from King that we must engage the struggle for justice, for overcoming oppression, the oppression of enemies, with love, the oppression of enemies with love, that this is for the spiritual health of the nation, this is for the spiritual health of all of those who are engaged in the struggle for justice. I know so often it gets repeated about, we love our enemies to turn them into friends. Sounds lovely. But this is not about loving those enemies you've converted, but loving enemies who are enemies. Martin Luther King Jr. said, loving your enemies Far from being the pious injunction of a utopian dreamer, this demand is an absolute necessity for the survival of our civilization. Yes, it is love that will save our world and civilization, love even for our enemies. King and his emphasis on nonviolent protest as an expression of love was a way of saying, you don't simply remain silent and passive when you are dealing with the abuse of enemies. There is something for us to do. There is a response to our enemies. And that response is Love. In protests, it's love. In the way in which we plan and strategize for justice, it's love. In, in the way in which we even characterize our enemies, it's love. And Jesus is giving us something to do in this text, to love our enemies. So, so, so how do we even begin to, to do this. And, and here comes a spiritual discipline, one of the most basic disciplines in Jesus's life and for all the disciples, for all of us, Jesus gives this, this this discipline, pray for your enemies. Pray for, it's a beginning. It's not all there is, but it's a beginning. Pray for your enemies. And this is something all of us can do this day. That's something of the problem with some kind of instruction that you're really able to do, rather than to declare you're not capable because there's not enough time or, or you have to wait for somebody else to check. Jesus says, pray for them. Not just pray about your enemies, We get a lot of that in the Psalms. Lots of prayers about, God, I know you're going to do them in because they're so bad. Oh yeah, we can easily pray about. We we can list all of the ways in which they have failed to live up to, the kind of ways in which this society needs their expressions of involvement and sincerity and respect. We, We can pray about enemies without a problem but to pray for enemies and to struggle what it means to pray for enemies, to to search for the thoughts, the feelings, the desire to pray for enemies and how to pray for enemies. It seems so simple, it seems so clear, and yet it perhaps is one of the most difficult teachings we have as disciples. We know it's difficult, personally. You have probably seen pastors and chaplains, especially around military bases, who do not pray for enemies. And you don't have to be around a military base. Just in any hamlet uh, or small church, large church, to pray for enemies is often interpreted as somehow or another siding with the enemy. It's treasonous. How dare you pray for the enemy when my children are on the battlefield? To pray for enemies. My own effort with this has been to pray for enemies as part of my daily prayer. I have no idea what it will do for enemies, but I do know what it's doing for me. We have this teaching, we have this opportunity. For the sake of our own faithful discipleship, for the sake of the world, for God's sake. Amen.